Welcome to the Love Your Truth podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jen Chrisman, and for over a decade, I have been a licensed clinical psychologist, life coach, and on my own journey of personal and spiritual development. Each week, I'm going to be bringing you an inspiring guest or a thought that will help you move beyond fear and doubt to unlock your true potential because you know there is something inside of you that you want to express and a kind of life that you want to create. We're going to be talking about personal development, wellness, spirituality, and entrepreneurship. You'll get a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your life today. Are you ready? Let's get on to this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Love Your Truth podcast. And today's episode is again brought to you by Audible, which I am so excited to get to share with you a free 30-day trial. All you have to do is go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash love your truth and get your free 30 days. And I say it all the time. I'm not going to go into all of it again right now. If you have any questions about how Audible has changed my life, uh, just reach out to me. I will give you my honest, honest feelings about it. But just know that I love it. I use it on a daily basis and I'm actually genuinely really, really excited to share it with you. Now, on to today's episode. And again, another episode I'm so excited to share with you. I am sitting down with my good friend, Tiffany Carter. And Tiffany is an incredible entrepreneur. She is a seven-figure entrepreneur. She has multiple companies. And her latest company is called Project Me with Tiffany Carter. And she has a podcast and also just launched a YouTube channel. And she is teaching you everything about sales and entrepreneurship and all of the nitty-gritty inside-out details of how to really build and run a successful profitable business. She is a sales ninja, has like a 95% close rate when it comes to sales, and she's just an awesome person. And with all of that information and all of that incredible wisdom and knowledge that she has, what I think is so powerful and so amazing about this episode is actually her, her personal story and her personal journey of overcoming trauma growing up in an abusive home and the work that she did on herself to actually heal and move through the, those, those wounds, those blocks that continued to show up even after she was finding success because she hadn't really looked at them. And we go deep in this episode and I'm just so excited to share it with you because this is for me really why I do this podcast, why I do the work that I do, because I think that, you know, all of the, the information and the how-to is really great and that's really important. And there's a lot of that out there. You can, you know, Google that and find it anywhere. But these stories of genuine transformation, these stories of heroes, that's where my heart is. And so I just love having these conversations. I love sharing them with you. I know you are going to be as moved and inspired by Tiffany's story as I am, and I'm just so excited to share it with you. So um, obviously, first and foremost, I do just want to say thank you from the get-go for doing this with me and and honestly just share my immense gratitude uh, for you coming into my life. And like we were talking the other day, I just think it's it's so important to acknowledge uh, those moments, those God shots that, you know, the universe really is conspiring to bring the people into your life that are meant to be in your life. And I feel like you are one of those people. And in just the short few weeks that I've known you, you've impacted me in such a profound way. And so I'm really excited to have you on, to have this conversation and for you to share your story with some of the people that might be listening in. So with that being said, let's just dive in and just tell us who who is Tiffany Carter. Well, first of all, you almost just made me cry. That was so sweet. 
Aww. and it and it is and it is true the universe is always working in our favor it's whether or not um, we are able to see it and slow down enough to witness it but that's really like where those amazing miracles occur it's really cool um, so for those of you guys who are listening who don't know me um, I have a pretty insane story um, we all have, you know, we all have our own stories. Some are more, some are of the kind that should be a lifetime movie. That's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and you can guide me on, you know, how, how deep you want me to go. But um, I grew up in an abusive household, a lot of abuse, a lot of sexual abuse, a lot of trauma. Um, as an only child. So it's not like I had the support of cousins or, you know, brothers or sisters around me. So I had really, really no Mm self-worth. I was taught that my worth is based on what I can do for others, not just for me being me. So my worth was based on what I could produce versus me just being alive. And so I carried that. And so can I ask you a question about that? I'm, I'm curious, at, at what point did you realize that that was what was happening for you? Because obviously, as we're talking about it, we're talking about it through the lens of two grown women who have done a lot of self-work and self-reflection. But as a child growing up, when did you come, like, when did you have that knowing? When did you make that connection and associate your worth with what you could produce and what you could do? Awesome question. I knew early on, maybe not in a way that I could ever, you know, cognitively put into words, but I knew, I mean, I can even remember maybe six, seven years old. I knew to please my mom what I needed to do, which was a lot and what I didn't need to do. And I even would orchestrate, which some could even call, call it manipulation. It was survival for me. But I mean, it's a form of manipulation, but it was survival where yeah. I knew, okay, if I call my mom mommy, mm-hmm. she's happy versus just saying mom. Or if I compliment her a lot, she'll really like that. Or if I you know, do this and do that and do it all within two hours, you know, she might, you know, she might like give me a kiss. Mm. I knew what I had to do. And Mm -hmm. I also knew, which was even more crucial to my survival, what not to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a very long list. So yes, you know, answer your question. I was, I was definitely aware of that. And it wasn't until I started having sleepovers at friends' houses where I realized this wasn't normal. Um, And I really loved sleepovers because I was out of my home Mm -hmm. and I felt like I could be a kid. I could be free. And like the moms like actually like baked us cookies and frozen pizzas and stuff. And like we played games and that like wasn't my house. Mm -hmm. And I felt more relaxed at other people's houses. So I would then even do a form of survival manipulation with my friends at that young of an age, you know, fourth grade, what are you, 10 years old, where they would want to come to my house because I was, we're probably one of the wealthiest families in the area. So a lot of people wanted to come to my house. There's a giant house. There's two full gourmet kitchens, an Olympic size pool, blah, blah, blah. So they wanted to come to my house, but I would have to learn ways to twist it so that I could sleep over at their house instead. I'm curious if you can actually just share a little bit more about that, that background from your family, that the dichotomy that you were living in, that on the one hand, it's the one of the wealthiest families in this community. And I'm curious where that wealth came from and what was happening. And then at the same time, you were also living in this level of abuse that a lot of people can't even comprehend and imagine. I know some of the details of your story, um, but can you share a little bit more about what that actually looked like? Yeah, and I I think it's important because for people to know, you have no idea, myself included, we have no idea what 
is really going on behind closed doors in most people's homes. We can make assumptions based on social media or what car you see that mom picking up their kid from school, you know, in the pickup line or whatever. Um, I was the kid whose mom, I was picked up, you know, for those of you who remember like what a DeLorean is, (laughs) you know, like from back to the future, like only a handful of those cars were made. I mean, I was picked up in school from that. And I was that person in the pickup line with, you know, the cool, the fancy car and the, I was that, I was that person where you could think that from the outside and I had to carry an image because I knew anything else would have resulted in more abuse, Mm. um, verbal in that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had to also carry on this happy, you know, happy persona, you know, everything's great. Everything's fine persona. So people didn't know. In fact, where I grew up, which is similar to a lot of neighborhoods probably across the United States, you know, suburban neighborhoods, right? Those more affluent neighborhoods. It's like there's a lot of tears in the social system for who's the most wealthy. And then there's popularity and like So I had a lot of people, you know, wanting to always, you know, come to my house. My mom was a big donor at private schools, you know, a lot of fundraisers, right? So lots of people loved and admired my mom. Mm. Um, And some of the reasons, you know, I would say still today, my mom has admirable qualities, um, but what they didn't know was incredibly dark what was going on in that home. I mean, it's just so, it's kind of like, it's mind blowing when I hear you talk about your story and I hear you talk about what you went through, because again, like you said, you just, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. And that, I mean, I think, I think it's so important that you're sharing this story because I, you know, I think that there are a lot of people who are afraid to come forward and are afraid to share their truth. And you know, the name of this podcast is Love Your Truth. And really about, you know, I'm a big believer that that true healing and true transformation happens when we allow ourselves to shine a light on all of our experiences. And so, um, you know, I'm hoping that you can maybe share a little bit about what what you did with that truth with what was really happening behind closed doors and how you transformed it and how, how it affected you. Like what was the progression that happened in your life based on where you grew up and what you, the environment that you grew up in? Yeah. The progression is not one that's far off from textbook. Um, You know, for anyone who has, had any form of abuse in childhood and you pick up any of those um, self-help books or you've done any sort of therapy, you know, there's the one path of you go into being, you know, prostitution or stripper. I mean, and people make jokes about that, but that's serious. That's a real thing. And then there's the, um, there's another path, which, you know, could end up, you know, sadly in, you know, in suicide, deep, you know, deep depression, then there's the path of the overachiever, overperformer. And that was me. Yeah. Um, So I was on that path because I was taught to be safe. And again, my worth was based on my productivity, not off me just being a human. So I was, it was all based on a human doing, not a human being. So I then what I was taught that, you know, Mm -hmm. I only get positive affirmation, any form of attention or love, if I'm constantly serving others and giving them whatever they want, whenever they want. In my case, that was mind, body and soul. Mm -hmm. And I really, when, when I say body, I'm talking, you know, I'll say it, it's, you know, it's sexual too. So I went through the abuse, the sexual abuse started when I was 11 years old. It went on all the way through. I was 21 years old. I was completely conditioned. That's the shocking part to most people when they hear that. Um, And all during that time, um, as one could imagine, I was relatively promiscuous because whatever someone wanted, you know, if a boy wanted to kiss me, I would let him because I thought even if I wanted him to be my friend or wanted to play video games with him, I had to give him what he wanted. 
Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I had no boundaries. Mm-hmm. So there was that side of me. I had shame about it. Um, there was shame, but I also was like so conditioned that it was normal, mm-hmm. that it wasn't intense shame. So I walked around. I mean, I was, um, I did a lot of competitive dancing. I was a model at the same time, like a childhood, you know, model, a catalog model. Yeah. So I walked around like I was the lead in school plays. Like what you would see is a very confident, shame-free, very adjusted girl. And I was not. It was, I was a robot. And I'm, I'm curious because the way you talk about it, you, you know, you really, you, you say that you, you had no idea that um, you were carrying around the shame and that um, you were seeking validation through, through mind, body, soul. But I wonder, I'm curious again, because just, you know, what I know of you so far, I wonder do you think that's really true or do you, do you think there was some part of you somewhere that, that knew a different story for yourself, that knew a different truth, that knew that your worth and your value actually didn't belong by, or wasn't found by giving your body away to other people? Wow. You ask really, really good questions. Um, Yes, there was. That's so interesting you asked that. Um, there was this part of me that knew I was special. Um, and I mean special in a good way. Like yeah. that special, like even though I didn't feel whatever we want to call it, you know, God, higher power, whatever. I didn't feel I had one because I kept praying and asking for help and I got no help. So that was very confusing to me. But there was something in me that knew um, that knew I was special. And I think that's why I was able to survive this, you know, pure toxic craziness um, and not end up going down a path of perhaps, you know, suicide. I did think about that several times. Like I didn't go down that path. I was able to have the energy to keep going. There was, there was something in me that knew I, I was special. Yeah. You know, I did have a nanny, you know, and you know what, I don't remember what that movie is. The movie called the help, you know, where the nanny. Okay. That I had a nanny like that. So that that was someone, I did have someone who I knew who loved me for just me. I had that nanny, that movie makes me like ball, of Mm -hmm. course. I had that person. So that also, that also helped me. Um, But she, she suddenly disappeared one day when she confronted my mother about the primary sexual abuser. Mm. So that's another layer of the story. Mm -hmm. But I did have that angel of a nanny who did validate, to use the word you said, that what I already had a little hint of inside of me. Yeah. And so, and I'm curious because, you know, and I asked that question because, uh, you know, I, we have such a, a kindred spirit and shared, I think, experience. And I know that it was something that I struggled with for a very long time in myself too, growing up the way that I did. And um, you know, acting in a way and having these surface beliefs about who I was and what my worth and my value was. And at the same time, also having this very deep knowing at a very young age that there was something different and there was something special and there was something powerful about me. Um, but I also spent, uh, you know, many decades trying to hide that truth, trying to, you know, not allowing myself to step forward, not allowing myself to shine. And and I'm curious um, if you had that experience as well or how that played out for you, maybe disavowing, disowning your specialness. Oh, my God. I adore you. <laughs> you get me. Um, so going back to um, when I was speaking about, you know, doing like manipulation as a survival in childhood and knowing what my mom liked and didn't like. My mom did not like if I shined. Mm. That was not okay. Now, it was a very complex 
uh, nuance, right? I had to shine enough to make it look like she was an amazing mom, right? But I couldn't shine too much where I would get a lot of accolades, like Tiffany's so talented, Tiffany's so smart, Tiffany's so great. So I couldn't quite shine, but I could achieve. And so that is that zone that was safe for me. Mm. And even well after I left the home and wasn't in her presence, I still wanted to please this woman because I hadn't done, you know, all this heavy work on myself, right? So I lived almost all of my life up until about four years ago, staying in that zone of making sure I didn't shine, but I still achieved. Mm -hmm. And that dance just is, it's really actually tormenting. And any time that I would shine, maybe almost by accident, you know, like, um, you know, I won some massive, you know, sales award and I was brought on stage and everyone kept coming up to me. I would be drenched in sweat underneath my suit that Mm -hmm. I was wearing. I would be bright red in the face. Um, I would sometimes even be shaking. Um, I was so, so conditioned to not shine. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, I love that. And I identify so much with that too. And I think, you know, you're bringing up such a powerful, uh, such an important point, really that difference between achieving and shining. And there is a difference. And I, you know, in my own life, the way it played out was, um, you know, I, I achieved a lot. I did all the things. I hit all the marks. I got all of the accomplishments. Um, but the struggles never changed. And so, it, you know, for me, uh, like financially, it was, I made, you know, I made more money than I ever thought was even possible for me, but then I spent all the money and I was right back where I started, where it was struggling and living, you know, month to month, even though making, you know, again, more money than people make in an entire year. And so I'm, you know, I'm guessing that you probably had a similar experience too. And at what point, like, what is the, what was the breaking point for you where you finally allowed yourself to move beyond just achieving and actually step into the, to your shining? I am so filled with like self-will and I was so conditioned, you know, and I wasn't just conditioned mentally, right? I was conditioned physically. I was conditioned in so many different levels. It was like a deep programming that for me, I had to hit such a rock bottom where my entire world fell apart. Like to where, you know, Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall and is in like a thousand Mm -hmm. pieces. Mm -hmm. I had to, that had to happen to me because I had setbacks, you know, I lost almost Five years into my, you know, my first business I have, I lost almost all the money that I made by, you know, giving blind trust to someone and not doing my research. That still wasn't enough to bring me to my knees. Like then I, then I just worked even harder and then made the money back. That wasn't enough. I had to be ripped open, not just monetarily, but, you know, my heart my friendships, health. I had to be hit on every level before I was willing to really go deep and really, really be willing to live a different way and shine because Mm -hmm. my life depended on it. I would have, if that didn't happen, I would still be living in that zone of achieving and not shining. And so what exactly did happen? Do you mind sharing what that rock bottom actually looked like? I don't mind at all. I mean, it's, It was in multiple areas. So I kept dating, being in relationships with one toxic person after another, and it got more and more progressive. And I was like, I would, I swear I've dated the United Nations, as I say, (laughs) like, I was like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't date this ethnic group or people from this country, or maybe tall guys are all like this. Like I wasn't (laughs) getting it that it was me. So I had crazy, you know, very dramatic situations that were very painful, um, painful with men. Um, So that was one of the areas. Another one is I had a very, very close person to me who I was involved in business with 
who I saw my father passed away when I was 25. I saw this man as a second father, as a mentor, very, very close to me. And it turns out that basically he was, he was using me too. Mm. I didn't see it. Now, when I look back, I can see it, but mm. I couldn't see it because I was, I was trained to be used. Mm-hmm. And he basically did a hardcore cutoff. You know, we can use the term ghosting. So he did a hardcore ghosting on me, which was, you know, because I saw him as a father figure, incredibly painful. This is someone I had known for over 10 years. So that happened. This all happened literally in the same couple month period. Then I had a major monetary hit that I wasn't expecting, which I, money for me always equals safety and security. So that really rattled me. So I had all these things. And then of course my health, because of all the stress, I was just a disaster. I mean, I was just a mess, like extreme fatigue, anxiety. I kept, I was twitching all the time and shaking. So that's what I mean by it had to hit me to the point where I had no choice. Like I was going to lose everything if I didn't surrender and get help. And so what did surrendering look like for you? Literally where it was like, I can't do this on my own. I can't figure this out anymore. I am, I, I need, I'm willing to trust experts, trust someone else who's been on this journey and this path before to help me. And I'm no longer going to just try to like survive anymore because that's not working like this this there has to be a better way to live and this isn't it and I don't have the answers and I surrendered for me it was God and I surrendered to um, a 12-step program that is geared towards people who were in um, alcoholic or dysfunctional homes because I needed help from people who have been there it wasn't I have, I've had therapy since I was 23 years old. I've had art therapy, equine therapy, every kind of therapy possible. That wasn't enough for me. I needed to spiritually surrender, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And again, I I identify so much with that too, that, you know, I had, um, I also, I, I, I didn't start going to therapy until I was a little bit older. I was about 18 when I went. For the first time, but I was in there. <laughs> I was in therapy. I had a degree, a bachelor's degree in psychology. I went on to get a doctorate <laughs> in psychology. I was a, I was already a licensed clinical psychologist. And for years, people, my own therapist, people had been telling me, "You need to go to Al-Anon. You have to go to Al-Anon. Al-Anon's where you're meant to be." And I was so opposed to it for so long, and I did not want to give in. I did not want to surrender. Um, I was running on self-will as well. And, um, and finally I read the book from survival to recovery and I read page after page after page, my story in this, um, this pervasive feeling of being unwanted, unloved and alone. And I, I also surrendered to a 12 step program and, um, it, and it was in working the 12 steps that it was like all of those years of therapy all of a sudden made sense. And um, that radical shift in my belief system that was planted for me, um, or actually, I guess the seeds had been planted, but that the the harvest had had come. Um, and I'm curious for you because I know you you touched on it a little bit that um, growing up you didn't have a relationship with God, but then you know part of your healing process was surrendering to God, and you do talk a lot about. Um, universe and manifesting. And so I'm, I'm hoping that maybe you can share with us some of your spiritual journey and how you, um, how that has shifted over time and how you have come to embrace a spiritual practice. Yeah. I mean, I, why would I, and so many other, you know, people who are in situations, you know, toxic homes or, you know, envi- chaotic environments, um, you know, why would, even if you were brought to, you know, church or whatever it was, um, a temple or whatever, you know, why, why would I, or why would we have believed there was a power greater than ourselves that had our back mm-hmm. when all this crap was happening? And I did, you know, I didn't even, I wasn't taken, I was only taken to church when my mom wanted to meet a new guy. So I had a really weird, um, you know, I was like, 
humiliated in church. It's really embarrassing. Like she'd wear inappropriate outfits and it was embarrassing for me, but I did know there was something up there. I knew there was something up there. And I remember I'd like sit, you know, I'd sit in my room as a little girl and I would talk. I mean, again, I'm only child, right? So I would, you know, I would talk to whatever this was up there, but I would be very upset because the pain wasn't being alleviated, you Mm -hmm. know? And at some point I just stopped praying. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this is stupid. You know, what's the point? Um, When my spiritual practice evolved, I would say I was probably around 25. And again, I do believe now that like God brought this person in my life. But that is when the secret, that book, you know, a lot of people know about the secret and was becoming really popular and people like Oprah, you know, like big figures were starting to talk about universe and spiritual. That felt safe to me. We weren't talking about God. We were talking about the universe we were talking about law of attraction that felt safe to me and at the gym i was going to i don't even remember how we met but we met there i met a spiritual teacher of those practices like someone who's actually very well trained he even looked almost like a buddha with the shaved head and everything and he took me under his wing and taught me um these the amazing spirituals of you know the mm. law of attraction the universe you know abundance how all of that works the energetic principles and that's where my spiritual world started opening up because that felt a lot safer to me we weren't talking about so to speak the man with the beard mm-hmm. um it wasn't until um i had a connection more so with god that wasn't until i got into a 12 step program mm-hmm. and you know, for those of you who've done it or who've not, you know, step three is when, when you basically are, you know, you're surrendering to a power greater than you literally in step three is when I found God and I was walking at night outside of my condo at the time, because I was told that I needed to connect with nature more, um, which was something I, I didn't have time for walks. Like I didn't even know that there were like flowers in my neighborhood. You know, I didn't have time for anything. That was my whole jam. And I was told to walk with no music. And I was looking up at the stars and like tears just started streaming down. It was like, I knew that there had to be a God. There had to be a higher power. How else could you have this magnificent universe with these beautiful stars and, and this beautiful, it was like perfect weather with a cool breeze. Like humans didn't create that. Mm. And that's where I started uh, believing in deepening my spiritual practice um, was at that time. And now I do regular, I do regular prayer. Is it conventional? No, it's not conventional. Um, I don't attend church. I'm not opposed to it. This is more of my own personal relationship with my personal God and higher power, you know? Mm -hmm. And that really lets me know that life isn't all on me. There's someone else in charge. Like Tiffany's not in charge, folks. <laughs> and and how has how have your external circumstances changed? Both your external and your internal circumstances, actually. How have they changed since connecting more to your spiritual practices and spiritual beliefs? I don't have any of the same people in my life except for uh, except for one person, um, and I guess you could add my mom kind of, um, but every, (laughs) but, um, everyone else is, they're all gone from my life. They weren't, they were not in alignment and I'm not the same person. So I have all new people in my life and I'm still attracting new people like you, Mm -hmm. you know, the right aligned people. And I'm not in charge of that either. I'm just in charge of, you know, appreciating it and recognizing it and being grateful. Mm -hmm. So that's huge. Um, I'm able to sleep through the night. My health is so much better. I have more peace. I make much better decisions from a grounded place versus being a spaz. I am um, much more kinder, gentler, softer, more open. I'm just an overall, like, I'm just, I'm a better person. I know it sounds cliche, but like, I have a real more of an ease about me. I was like wound so tight before that it, I mean, it was, 
I was wound just so, so tight. And I have a sense of peace and serenity that I never have had in my life. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. You couldn't give me any amount of money, you know, anything for me to trade that. It just, it wouldn't be worth it to have this. And so now you, and you're just as successful, uh, if not more so than you were when you were just running on that pure will. And, you know, I always talk about how, um, you know, how much we can accomplish and what we can do from our survival mechanisms. And then just imagining what's possible when we move out of survival and actually move into to thriving and into that place of shining. And I know part of what you do is you help other women to step into their, their shining as well. And, um, and I know that you do, you, you help them with some of these principles as well and bringing kind of a spiritual and abundant mindset into business. And I'm wondering if you can, again, just, you know, share a little bit about that work that you're doing and, you know, how your, your purpose has shifted in, um, business as you've gone through this journey yourself. Well, the first thing I want to say is I was very terrified of giving up these survival, so to speak, skills that I had because I had a lot of payoffs for those, mm-hmm. you know, monetary payoffs, achievements, um, a lot of surfacey things, right? So it scared me. I mean, I actually had a belief that if I surrendered, I would be destitute, like living in a tent. Um, the opposite is true. I make more money now than I ever have by... Um, by letting go of those uh, survival traits that were just really false beliefs anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's amazing because I was terrified of losing that. I was like, if I really surrender, I will like end up having to like move like and live off the land. Like that's how much fear I have about it, <laughs> you know, which is, which is crazy. But Project Me is my second company. My first company, which I still have, um, is I've had it for 11 years. That's more so based, you know, in corporate America, a lot of involvement with medical and health companies, um, very serious, you know, um, not so, not very personal, you know, just, it's more just, you know, corporate sales numbers, that kind of stuff. Very grateful for that because that's my parent company that funded for me to start Project Me with Tiffany Carter, which this company I've had this idea and this name for, I had it for 10 years before I was able to start it because of that whole thing we talked about, the achievement and the shining. Mm-hmm. And this is my personal story, putting me out there. Um, uh, so many, so many things, but I knew, I always knew it had to happen. I just, I just had to be ready. So what I do is I work with people one-on-one. I also work in a group setting and I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of speaking on practical stuff too, you know, on, I'm an expert, I'm a sales expert. I have over a hundred million dollars in sales transactions. So I do a lot of practical stuff. That's part of my personality too, being a Virgo. Like I teach you like actually how to make the money, but guess what? None of that matters if you don't do all the money mindset that kind of work first. It, I, I could teach you everything under the sun. And I have done that, by the way. And I see people lose it or in very clever ways, they self-sabotage themselves that they mm-hmm. can't even see it or weird things start happening. Like they drop their laptop and smash it that they just bought and they didn't have insurance on it. So now that set them back three grand or they start getting unexpected bills that, you know, crazy stuff starts happening. That all will happen. It happened to me. I've seen it happen to hundreds of people I've worked with. If that mindset work isn't done first, that's why I'm so passionate about it. And so that's really where the focus is, is I want to help, you know, I want to help millions of people be able to flourish and shine in doing something that really lights them up that they want to do and get out of that poverty mentality mindset. And you can have a poverty mentality, guys, even if you're making six, seven figures. I it's did. So true. Yeah. It sounds like you did too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, not to put you on the spot, but I'm, I want to like really kind of pick your brain here. Um, you know, where do you think, how does a person, 
actually heal and shift and change their money mindset? I would say what I've seen really works is one, you have to be very willing and open. You know, you know that line, like, you know, the, the teacher appears when the student is ready. Mm -hmm. So I've gotten pretty good at discerning when someone's really ready or when they think they're ready. Um, because I was that person. Yes. I was the person who thought I was ready and I wasn't ready. You have to be ready and willing in order to do this work. Um, the second thing is working with someone who truly can guide you through those series of questions and uncovering these beliefs and then being able to link the dots of, oh my God, yeah, my dad always said this. Or one of the big ones that one of my clients had recently, um, I shared it on another show, she could not break making 100000 a year. Now, 100000 that's great money, right? But yeah. like I said, it doesn't matter. Maybe the number was 40000 It yeah. was irrelevant. She couldn't break a certain number and she wanted to. Well, it's because her dad was the the you know the patriarch of the family and everyone respected him in town because he made a hundred thousand dollars and she didn't want to take his glory and make more than her dad that was the undercover belief now it took us a month to get to get there i mean it's buried Mm -hmm. And once, once we got there, then you have to work on reprogramming that belief. You have to replace it with something just like a shitty habit, right? I don't know if I can swear on your show. Absolutely. Okay, good. Um, you know, you have to reprogram like, you know, a bad habit. And yeah. so you have to start reprogramming that on every level. It can't just be with your head. It has to be with your actions it has to be how you think, how you write, how you speak in every way. And then over time, you'll start seeing someone's energy shift. Because people can sense when you have that poverty mentality, okay? Like when I had that and I couldn't break, I was at multiple six figures, but it was still weird that I couldn't break that given I was dealing with billion dollar clients, okay? Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was a complete mindset thing. And so what happened is when I did this work at that time with, with a very, you know, wonderful coach of mine, I did that work within about four to six months, I hit my first million dollars. I, it was the same clients I was, I was trying to upsell over all those years, many times the doors open. I carried myself differently. Mm -hmm. I probably chose different words. I came across differently. I didn't have, people can smell like weird resistance, desperation. People can sense it. They might not be able to identify it, but they can yeah. sense it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah. And I think it's, I do so much of this work too, and it's hard to actually um, communicate it because, you know, what we're talking about on that energetic level, it, it's a feeling state. And we are trying to put it into, use our prefrontal cortex and use our you know rational brain to explain something that isn't always explainable because it's just something that's a deeper sense of knowing. Um, but I, yeah, I completely get it. And I, I think that that's a big part of, you know, what we were talking about before the other day on your podcast, that, you know, the business of becoming, that it doesn't, it's not so much about what you do and how, you know, the, the way that you market so much as it is how you show up in your marketing and the way that you carry yourself and, and holding on to, you know, really examining like what, what is it that I actually believe about myself and about business and about making money and that willingness, like you said, to go there and unpack because for a lot of us, it runs very deep deeper than we even know. Oh yeah. I mean, I had, cause I had, there's so many I, I had, I mean, one of the big ones is my mom always would, my mom was an entrepreneur. Okay. My mom went to Harvard, yada, yada. We can fill in the story. Um, <laughs> and so my mom would always say, my mom worked like 14 hours a day, seven days a week. She said, you had to give an arm and a leg to be successful. You had to be thin and pretty to be successful. You had to kill yourself to be successful. Those three things were repeated at nauseum. And you have to remember my mom wasn't like a broke entrepreneur. Yeah. Very respected and successful. 
And so it was literally modeled to me. So mm -hmm. then I ended up living that out. So I did make great money, but at a huge cost. Yeah. I mean, at a major cost. And when I had that, I had, and I wasn't aware of it. I had no idea. I did not, I was not able to make that connection on my own, even yeah. though it seems pretty obvious. Yeah. I think it's, you know, one of the most powerful things that we can do is really stop and ask ourselves, first of all, what is it that I actually believe about any given situation, whether it's money or, or bodies or relationships, whatever it might be really first asking, okay, that bringing the awareness, what is it that I believe? And then where did I learn that? Right, because so many of these beliefs were fed to us at ages we don't even remember getting them, and we never stop to examine and ask ourselves, "Well, is this even what I want to believe? Is this still serving me? Am I getting?" And is it even true? Is it true? Yeah. I mean, that's one I use now. Is it if you know? Because things will pop up. I mean, believe me, these beliefs pop up sometimes, especially if I don't sleep well or I'm sick, or I, an opportunity doesn't come through that I thought was going to, it'll come knocking. And then I, I, you know, I talk back to it. Is it true that you have to kill yourself to make major impact and money in the world? Is that true? Do I have fact, do I have facts and stats to back mm -hmm. that up? Mm -hmm. no, no, that isn't true. You know, and that helps me that like for someone like me, who's, yeah. you know, tends to overthink and overanalyze like that that's rational and that stops my brain like oh there are no facts and stats to back that up that isn't true mm -hmm. and then taking it that this is the uh the work by byron katie and then you take it that the next step is asking yourself you know what would a different alternate belief be and how would it feel if i believed that and allowing yourself to expand and create that new experience for yourself yeah because I, and I, I do, I love Byron Katie. The, the next thing I would say is, right, I'd go, you know, being, let's say I quantified it. Like, you know, I'm, my business is making 10, let's just say my business is making $10 million a year. Um, you know, I'm traveling the world as an internationally respected and renowned, you know, female empowerment speaker, you know, and how would that make me feel? Even two years ago, when I did that work, this is why the work has to be done continuously. There has mm -hmm. to be check-ins. I wrote, because I always do top of mind writing, so I don't start BSing myself. I wrote, I'm, I'm terrified of this success because it sounds exhausting. Mm. See, thank God, I, thank God I keep doing the work mm -hmm. because, and guess what? At that time I was feeling exhausted. Yeah. I was scared of the success because, you know, success equals, you know, a higher demand of well, my belief was a higher demand of your time and your energy and your intellect and your everything, mm -hmm. and you don't have time to do anything anymore. Well, what does this go back to? It goes back to mommy for me. Yeah. And so is that the work that you're doing with your clients as well, helping them to make those connections and uncover the, those deeper beliefs that they're sitting on? Yes, that is part of the work. I don't go into it at a level like maybe someone like you could. I don't pretend to have, you know, a psychology background, nor do I w want to be in that role. Um, but I do it from a, I call it from with a, with a Tiffany level, you know, personality and style I do, that it's definitely an approach because again, I could teach you, I can teach you my emotional based sales techniques. I can teach you to have a 95% close rate. I can teach you how to make money off Instagram, but you will sabotage all of it guaranteed at some point, maybe not year one, maybe five years from now, you will sabotage all of it if we don't do that mindset work first. But people generally are like, oh, we're doing that first. I compare money mindset work to stretching at the gym. People are like, oh my God, it burns no calories. I'm just going to leave the class early. Like yeah. who really needs that. But in fact, you know, if you don't stretch, you end up with uncomfortable aches and pains and a whole other slew of problems in life. Yeah. You know, so the mindset stuff might seem easy to blow off because the gratification might not be as instant. It's not like you get off, you know, a session with me and you're like, 
Awesome. Tiffany just gave me like all these tips to, you know, grow my Instagram following or to close my next five sales. Like you might get off that call and not feel so great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm aware of the time, but I could sit here and talk to you for hours and I'm sure people listening are like, okay, well, where do I, how do I grow my Instagram following? So, (laughs) (laughs) so where can they find you if they want more? Um, what, and what's coming up for you, uh, in this new year? Okay. So you guys can listen to my podcast, Project Me with Tiffany Carter. Um, it's on every platform, but you can go to my website, projectmewithtiffany.com. And then I love like answering questions and responding to your DMs on Instagram at Project Me with Tiffany, or you can message me on Facebook, same Project Me with Tiffany. I always like to challenge people to DM me because so many people are weird about that. And it's like, you have a multimillionaire female entrepreneur like access to who's obviously a very like transparent person like take advantage of it and test me out and see if I write you back and you'll be surprised. Yeah. And I'm going to encourage everyone to do that as well, because again, like I said, I, you know, you have just been such a light in my life and just this very short amount of time that I have known you. And I'm so just thankful and grateful for how transparent and how honest you are. And, you know, I just, I love these stories of transformation and you know, seeing these strong, beautiful women who take their their stories and and own them so unapologetically. And so I just want to say thank you and just really acknowledge and honor the work that you've done because it's it's so powerful. So thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Love Your Truth podcast. I am really just so happy that you stopped by and I would at this point just love to ask for your help in spreading the message and maybe sharing this episode with someone that you think would love it or benefit from it and also if you could head over to iTunes if you feel so moved to do so and leave an honest comment and review for us that would really help me out with this journey to helping thousands and thousands of people And until next time, please don't forget to love your truth. Thanks, guys.